this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Winks. Hayden, we started up this here channel back in April. We've gone through draft season. We've gone through the swells, the waves of the offseason. We've gone through positional rankings. Today, we close out our fantasy coverage with the top 50 players in every person's draft, how they should follow it at the start of their league. How do you feel? I like talking about the actual players and like, I mean, roster construction is super important for fantasy football. It's just not nearly as fun. So like, I like when we just sit here, like I like this player more than this player. Here's why. Like that's, that's the best part about fantasy football. I just did a, a, a family fantasy football draft. And like that just like brought me back to like fantasy football. Like so many people just want who's good. You know, yeah. like they don't care about when you should draft your wide receiver for in this construction that like 95% of the people out there, they just want to know who's good. So that's what we'll, we'll be providing today. Hopefully all of you have checked out our previous videos. Again, we went position by position. We talked about our best values, um, our favorite late round selections, all that good stuff. Our only goal here on this channel is to help you win. It's to help you be more entertained during football season. So in order to join us for the ride, like and subscribe down below. It absolutely helps us out. And, it, you know, I, we get messages every single day of people saying, hey, I had my draft last night. Check out my team. A lot of our favorite names are on there. Always share those on Twitter to both me and Hayden. We certainly appreciate you. And in order to help you also in your draft, today we'll be talking about our top 50 players on Boom, our free draft guide linked down below, fully updated with all of the happenings of the preseason, all the injury changes, all the depth chart changes, and everything else. Again, positional rankings, players you must draft, players to avoid, our ideal drafts as well. And obviously, at the top, it is our full top 200. Hayden, let's do a little zoom in. How we're going to do this, we're going to do it by clusters. Because that's really how Hayden and I put together our personal rankings together. This is a combination of the two. And we start here. Hayden Winks. Chris McCaffrey at the top. And then the real debate begins. Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, and Ezekiel Elliott is how we have it listed. Two, three, four. But Hayden, you specifically have Alvin Kamara as your second player overall. I have Dalvin Cook. And then Ezekiel Elliott after that. How do we make this decision if you have the 102 in your drafts? I think it's definitely Alvin Kamara. And like, I'm so all the way in on Kamara just because he was the RB2 last year per game. He averaged three more points in Derrick Henry, like five or six more points in the, the running back four per game last year. I, I want to throw out any of the Taysom Hill stuff. I think that Jameis Winston is going to be the guy for a long time. And even if it, Taysom Hill does come back, I think that they're going to iron out the screen game, something that Taysom Hill was struggling with last year. There's no way this entire offseason they didn't figure this out. Plus, the on-off splits with Michael Thomas for Alvin Kamara are insane. Last year, Alvin Kamara averaged 30.8 PPR points without Michael Thomas on 24 expected fantasy points. That is Christian, that's the Christian McCaffrey season right there. And this is behind the second best, maybe the best offensive line in the league. And there's just nobody else to throw the ball to. So I think that. Uh, we've seen Kamara in a kind of a committee before, but with Latavius Murray maybe kind of taking a step back and nobody else to get the ball to, this is the most desperate Saints offense we've seen. And it's just going to be Kamara, 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 Kamara the entire time. I wouldn't even be that surprised if he finished number one overall this year. I think that that's how bullish I am, I am on Kamara. Everything has kind of aligned 
this offseason for him. We're definitely going to clip that for social at some point. Hayden, okay, here's my conversation in my own head when I'm trying to figure it out because, again, the 101 is such a smash with Christian McCaffrey. I mean, the last time he played in 2019, a full season, he had seven more points each and every week than the running back two that season. Now, this is the conversation where it really starts. And Hayden, as simple as the analysis can be, Ezekiel Elliott and Dalvin Cook historically have just touched the ball far more often than Alvin Kamara has. His season-high touch total, and correct me if I'm wrong here with my math, since you're the math wizard, 275 for Alvin Kamara, right? The lowest for Ezekiel Elliott, I believe, since his rookie season, 292. So in that span of time when he's played at least 15 games, Ezekiel Elliott's lowest is 20 spots higher than Alvin Kamara's highest touch total. That's a concern. That's a factor. No? It is, but I think that this is the desperate Saints. Like, they don't have any other people to get the ball to right now. So I think that you're going to see Kamara get more carries. He's already the goal line back. They might bench Latavius Murray. Like, is Tony Jones really going to come out and spell Kamara that much? I don't think so. I think that just everything's aligned for Kamara to be, like, I mean, averaging eight targets per game, get all the goal line work. And I think instead of getting 12 carries per game, he might get 15 carries. And if you just compare the offensive lines for Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook, I mean, the Saints blow him out of the water. And I think that Kamara, this is like the season for the Saints to say, you know what, we love Kamara in the committee role, but we don't have any options. Like, we need to go win ball games this year. We are desperate for playmakers, and he's clearly their best guy right now. A few more notes from me of why Ezekiel Elliott is the number three back out there. One, Hayden, we've talked about it a lot earlier this summer. No one had like worse touchdown luck last year than Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, that team faced so much adversity. You go from the quarterback one in fantasy points per game in the first four weeks of the season, have like end of roster talents at both your tackle spots. And Ezekiel Elliott was still able to put up like in the teens, like the running back 13 season. Before that, Hayden, he had never been worse than the running back eight in, in fantasy points per game. And I understand that Alvin Kamara is going to touch a lot of the ball if Sean Payton allows him to do that. I will also argue that Alvin Kamara has been the guy in that backfield, like the top talent since his rookie season. And we still haven't seen Sean Payton allow for that to happen. And we have seen that despite a very good talent in Tony Pollard for still Ezekiel Elliott to have that workload. And... We always talk about receiving usage, target usage, catches for for Alvin Kamara. Zeke has a lot of that too. Oh, yeah. In the last few years, 71 targets, 71 targets, 95 targets, 52 receptions, 54 receptions, 77 receptions. That's a major, major part of his game. I, it's tough for us to predict just how good and how this offense is going to look, I think, because so many pieces are back. What I keep going back to, the adversity last year with all of these pieces – I still think that ceiling is there despite, you know, Ezekiel Elliott being drafted so early, CeeDee Lamb being drafted so early, the volume plus talent. Because Hayden, not to throw another narrative at you, but if there was a singular player that we think was going to come into the season last year out of shape, overweight after sitting in his house for six months in quarantine, Ezekiel Elliott would be at the top of this list. And what have we seen since? That he's in the best shape of his damn career I'm banking all in on Zeke this season. That's for sure. 
It would be Zeke and Big Ben would be the two guys that would come in out of, out of shape yes. from the quarantine. Uh, Zeke, I'm calling him the biggest positive regression candidate in fantasy football. He scored 5.7 fewer touchdowns than what we what we would expect last year based off his usage. And we're going to get Dak Prescott out there, and they're going to be just near the goal line more often anyway. So we're both ahead of consensus on Zeke Elliott. I think that he's going to have another huge season. And same with Dalvin Cook. I mean, Dalvin, 52% of the the teams that drafted Dalvin Cook in Best Ball Mania one last year made it to the playoffs. Like he's right. also a great pick. I just think that these top four ones are absolute studs. And these are the I think the these should be the consensus top four. And then we'll get to Derrick Henry in a second. Yeah. Dalvin Cook, 14 games played in each of the last two seasons, touches in those seasons, 303 and and 356. We want health and we know that he is the identity of that team. He is so good in terms of his explosion, like the first three or four steps. He turns the corner. He gets upfield. He wins after contact as well. I mean, he's in such a smash spot with with that team. And I think underrated offensive line in a few pieces there as well. Okay, so those are our top four. Depending on who you want to believe, Alvin Kamara should be the second pick. Dalvin Cook should be the second pick. Heck, even Azuka Elliott belongs in that conversation. Next up, our five, six, seven. We go to some pass catchers. Hayden Winks, Devontae Adams versus Tyree Kell versus Travis Kelsey. How, how do we slice this one up? I'm just going to go off of last year's stats, I guess. I mean, all three of them, they're, it's the perfect scenario for all of them. Devontae Adams averaged three more fantasy points per game than the wide receiver two overall last year. I mean, he averaged 21.6 PPR points per game last year. That was absolutely insane. Tyreek Hill, though, in the last 12 games, averaged 104 receiving yards, and that includes the playoffs. And that includes 10.6 targets per game. We, we saw Tyreek Hill kind of go from an eight target per game player and being really efficient to being, oh, we're going to be near the lead league in targets. And that's how he went from like a wider or like a wide receiver six overall spike week player to now, okay, he might be the guy you need in fantasy. You know, I mean, we have to talk about it eventually. The, the Chiefs depth is so bad at wide receiver. I mean, really, really, they don't have a wide receiver too, in my opinion. So that means Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are just going to get peppered with targets, and they're going to be, I mean, just elite fantasy guys. I love this top seven overall. We've had great seasons from Tyreek Hill in the past. You know, last year in 15 games was 135 targets, 87 receptions, nearly 1,300 yards, and 15 touchdowns. I mean, that is an absolute explosion. But then when you also zoom out, Hayden, bring into the fact that they really haven't added anyone to catch the ball besides him, and Travis Kelsey still, but what have they also done? Brought in so much offensive line power and talent that, in fact, this is a team that faced a lot of adversity in their air in that area last year. And Patrick Mahomes is is such a magician that I actually think Hayden, because we see those highlight real plays, those no look passes, the ones where he's you know like you play in Madden, running back twenty yards and lobbing it up in the air, we forget how good he can be. In the quick game, inside of structure, in the rhythm of the offense, I bet we see that a lot more often this year. And while I think that aspect of Mahomes' game is overlooked, I also think the aspect that Tyreek Hill is a complete wide receiver is overlooked. Definitely. I think a lot of people just view him as this vertical downfield playmaker who works perfectly with Patrick Mahomes. Tyreek Hill is one of the best route runners in the NFL. It is impossible to guard him. One-on-one, that's why I rank him as a number one wide receiver in this group because while he was awesome last year, Hayden, 
everything is improved around him and in comparing him to Devontae Adams and Stefan Diggs, who I absolutely love, who you should absolutely consider in the middle to late of round one. I think we're also in some ways buying them at their peak of what they put out last year. And I still think there's a little bit more for Tyreek Hill to hit. I think Tyreek Hill, this will be his most targets of his career, especially every single time the Chiefs are going to go play. They're going to play against two high defenses. That's going to make Patrick Mahomes check the ball down to Travis Kelsey, who led the NFL in yards against two high looks last year. And then Tyreek Hill, instead of just being this high A dot player, he's going to get games where he has 14 targets. And I mean, like he's so explosive after the catch, like he's just going to have some massive, massive games. I feel very comfortable about these top seven players. I think there's a teardrop after these top seven. And that's like in all formats, maybe not standard, but in half PPR and PPR, I feel really good about these, these top seven picks. And if you want to see how a draft unfolds with Travis Kelsey as your first overall selection at the 107, Hayden and I went through a perfect draft yesterday. Go back and find that show as well. An hour long, 18 rounds. Some of our favorite players plugged into there and a lot of construction conversation as well. Okay, so we've talked about those top seven. Let's move now to eight, nine, 10, 11. That is Derek Henry, Stefan Diggs, Austin Eckler and Calvin Ridley. Hayden, the wide receivers are quite similar. I mean, they are the go-to players in the offenses that should throw the football a lot. Well, one is going to be a great team in the Bills, and one's going to be a questionable team in the Falcons. But Hayden, at running back at the eight spot, and then number 10 overall, Austin Eckler, you maybe could not get two differing players at the same position in the NFL in Derrick Henry and Austin Eckler. Derrick Henry ran for 2,000 yards last year. I mean, how how insane is that? Like, he broke basically every freaking yards after contact record. All that stuff was absolutely insane. The problem is just he averaged four points fewer uh, per game than Dalvin Cook and three points fewer per game than Alvin Kamara after that massive, massive, massive season. So that's why I'm a little bit lower. But if, if you got him at, like, the eighth, ninth overall, you have to feel pretty good about that still, too. And then the Austin Eckler discussion basically comes down to is he going to get goal line carries? Because he hasn't in the past, but that was with a different regime. And we saw uh, Joe Lombardi give Alvin Kamara all the goal line touches. And they're kind of similar-ish players. They've com- been compared plenty. And I think that the Chargers depth at running back is really bad. Like I, I was holding out hope for Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly to show me, Larry Roundtree to show me something in the preseason. I never got it. So I think you're buying a ticket to possibly a top three s- season. But even if he doesn't get the goal line work, especially in PPR, Austin Eckler is still going to be a mid to low end RB one. So I'm willing to roll the dice on that goal line uh, potential. Those first seven players that we talked about and namely this first four running backs, Hayden, we know the play caller. We know the situation. We know the offense that they are in. That's different this year for Derek Henry and Austin Eckler. Now the Titans did hire from within and right. that, you know, calls to attention that they want to be very similar We've also seen it happen in the past that it doesn't go in that direction, that they try to do different things. They can't call, namely, the red zone offensive success in the same exact way that Arthur Smith did it last year. Maybe they can. I, I think Derrick Henry is, is one of the players that it, it's just bankable. You do know what you're going to get. You know what he's successful in. If the Titans are as good as they have been in the past at throwing for leads and then running to win, then boom, Derrick Henry is going to have a massive year. But what if this team like if somehow goes off the rails, which I'm not predicting, but you know, they're behind by 10, 12, 
points in fourth quarters more often this year. Hayden, I don't think Derrick Henry is a negative game script player, and I'm not you know forecasting the Titans to do that, but that is much more of a factor in his game versus others on this list that we will talk about. I mean, he just doesn't catch passes. Like that's yep. like that, the only drawback. I mean, he gets all the workload. He's going to probably be, he should be the favorite to lead the league in rushing yards. But I mean, we saw the insane season last year and he just was not as valuable in fantasy because he didn't catch nearly as many passes as the other guy. So still a first rounder. Like I don't want this to be like a, a negative Derrick Henry conversation. He's a freak, freak talent. And he's going to probably repeat 1500 rushing yards again. It just doesn't matter as much for fantasy. We've talked a lot about the Bills and Stefan Diggs in the past. I mean, he is one of the best vertical playmakers in the NFL, probably the best ISO ball receiver in the NFL. His quarterback last season went from being one of the worst vertical passers, downfield passers in the league, to potentially the best and also the best in clean pocket situations. Nothing is different about the Bills. That's a plug and play in the middle or end of round one for you and Stefan Diggs. Calvin Ridley, though, Hayden. For so long, he was viewed as in the shadow of of Julio Jones as like a second fiddle wide receiver too. Hayden, he broke out last year. He has emerged. And if you were going to ask me right now who is going to lead the league in targets and maybe even yards, I understand that Arthur Smith in his past, the Tennessee Titans would never have both of those phrases uttered to any of his wide receivers. I feel like it might be different here in Atlanta. And Calvin Ridley is my nomination to do that. He was the wide receiver four on wide receiver two fantasy usage. And now they don't have Julio Jones. I think that it's a better coaching staff. The defense is just as bad as it was previously. And I think that Matt Ryan really hasn't fallen off all that much. If you look at some of like the uh, com- completion percentage over expected, Matt Ryan's still a very accurate passer. And I think that he meshes very well with Calvin Ridley. And Calvin Ridley is just absolutely just, he's climbed a tier or two over the last two years. So I think that he's, even in a half PPR, he's worthy of a first round selection. We always talk about we kind of like these like wide receivers right here because the 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 depth at running back in round two is awesome. So I like starting Calvin Ridley with an Austin Eckler or an Aaron Jones or a Joe yep. Mixon uh, and go one and one to to to, uh, to start your draft. Yeah, I mean that one twelve to twelve oh one of a of an Eckler Ridley start or vice versa. Boy, oh boy, is that beautiful. Yeah, I mean, Calvin Ridley was first in 20-plus yard targets last year. He already made the leap. Okay, you talked about those running backs. That may be another reason why, Hayden, we are so much more comfortable other than, obviously, the the details of the position uh, at wide receiver and tight end in the middle of the first round is because of this glut of running backs that we see from 12 to 18 in our rankings that make up the running back 7 to 13 in our positional rankings. That goes Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, Najee Harris, Jonathan Taylor, and closes out at number 18 overall for us, Clyde Edwards Elaire. Maybe pick a name of that group, Hayden, that you want to spotlight. We have to make the case for Joe Mixon. We have him ranked like seven or eight spots ahead of ADP. And I think it's a couple things. It's Joe Burrow's ACL is probably going to make them run the ball a little bit more than they were last year. And even if you look at the on-off splits with Mixon last year, the Bill or the Bengals passed the ball way more when Joe Mixon was out of the lineup. You also get Giovanni Bernard leaving. He's averaged 53 targets per season since Joe Mixon's been around. And they actually benched Gio Bernard in the two games before Mixon got injured with his foot. And he had six and eight targets those two games. And then the last thing is the offensive line coaching change. The previous coach is now tech, uh, coaching at Texas State. And they brought back the coach that was there in 2018 
And, uh, and that's when Joe Mixon had his by far his best year. He had his best year in yards before contact and just yards per carry in general. I think that coaching change is going to allow Joe Mixon to run the, between the tackles a little bit more. So I think that my general stance with the Bengals is I don't want to like carry over the top three neutral pass rates that people are projecting for Jamar Chase and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Joe Burrow. I think they're going to be a tad more balanced just because Joe Burrow is coming off a serious injury and they gave Joe Mixon a ton of money. This is the year for them to ride Joe Mixon. So that's why I'm high on them. I also believe we need to bring up Nick Chubb. I've seen murmurs this offseason that people are fading Nick Chubb for a lot of the same reasons that we talked about. People are concerned about taking Derrick Henry in the middle of round one. I would say maybe you're getting a discount Derrick Henry here in the middle of round two on Nick Chubb. I mean, this is a player who arguably is the best running back in the NFL. Now, I know he's not going to catch a ton of passes, but Hayden, this is also a Browns team that has instilled their identity already. An incredible offensive line and what is going to help instill that identity of, of running the football and throwing play action and keeping Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb with wide open running lanes. So he can once again, be the fourth most or have the fourth most 10 plus yard runs in the NFL in last season and even take some deep like he does is that that defense is going to be so much better. You know, they were battling such a bad defense last year that forced them to be in some negative game scripts or neutral game scripts. Uh, What if they're just in, you know, the majority among top five in, in, uh, you know, positive game script situations this season, Nick Chubb can absolutely feast in that area. Again, I'm not advocating for him as a round one pick, but he should absolutely be in the conversation. If you do start running back, running back wide receiver, running back here in round two. In half PPR, he was the RB4 per game, and that was with Kareem Hunt playing all the games. If Kareem Hunt misses any time, like Nick Chubb is like going to have the Dalvin Cook season from last year. So I think at worst, he's a low-end RB1, and that, that's even in in, in uh, full PPR leagues. In half PPR, I think that he's like a more of like a mid-range, low-end RB1, and just the potential is very clearly there for a monster, monster season. The Browns are going to be awesome. Nick Chubb's yeah. just such a good player too. Before we move on, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire keeps dropping. He's now with an ADP of 24. We've mentioned this a little bit in other shows, so let's mention it again slightly. I'm so in on CEH. I understand he burned all of you at the 106 last season. But, hey, it's the most bankable offense with a much improved offensive line. I bet we see 20 to 30 more receptions for CEH this year. He's not someone who necessarily has great long speed to you know break off 25-plus yard runs, but his identity can be vision. It can be picking up the yards block for him as well. And again, that that offense can be so narrow at times. And I understand he also dealt with some injuries during the preseason. But Hayden, it seems like there's all confidence for CEH to be their number one. Again, you are getting the number one running back on the most bankable offense at pick 24. But for us, we have him at number 18 overall. It was a very limited sample but in the preseason, he basically did not come off the field when he was out there. I mean, like bare, like maybe lost one or two snaps the entire preseason to backups with the first team offense. And if that happens in, in the regular season, he's going to absolutely explode. And the offensive line, it was not just offensive linemen for Patrick Mahomes, but these are like run first offensive line. Like Orlando Brown is like, what, 375 pounds? That's a run first left tackle. You have Joe Tooney. You have uh, what Creed Humphrey also very powerful run first linemen. So I think that they were trying to fix the goal line stuff for Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So I think that it's, this could be an absolutely monster season for CH. 
and screen first offensive linemen, as we found, because once Andy Reid trusts them, we learned that's from Nate Tice, and they're going to be more open to utilizing CEH in that area as well. Okay. Those are the top 13 running backs. We have 13 again in the top 18 overall of our rankings. Let's now jump to some of those other wide receivers that we absolutely love in round two. Justin Jefferson, 19 overall. DeAndre Hopkins, 20 overall. DK Metcalf at 22 overall. AJ Brown, 23rd, with a Darren Waller as the turkey in the middle of the sandwich at 21st overall. What name sticks out to you there that you want to talk about, Hayden? Justin Jefferson. He averaged 18.1 half PPR points per game once he started in week three. Now they don't have any tight ends. I mean, they lost Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith, and the Vikings lead the league in tight end usage every single year. Just that's how their offense is set up. They still don't have a quality third wide receiver on the team. It's like KJ Osborne, I think is the current number three. That's not good. And maybe Westbrook, someone like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not good. And Adam Thielen's a little bit older and Adam Thielen was the one that was scoring all the touchdowns last year. So if you kind of balance out Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson's touchdowns, you're talking about a potential awesome season. And I just think that Justin Jefferson is like already one of the top five best wide receivers in the game. He was so fluid. He just roasted everybody all the time. That's why he led the NFL in yards per route run versus man coverage as a rookie last year. And it quite frankly, it wasn't even close. It was at 4.26 yards per route run. The next closest was in like the threes. And most players are like in the twos and ones. Like he was literally doubling everybody up. It's a very narrow route tree. I think he's awesome. Kurt Cousins could still deliver the ball. And I, I just think that the the target tree is just really dwindled down. Justin Jefferson can really pop in targets. And I want to be betting on his talent too. Hayden, the one I think that has the most unknown of this you know, group of four wide receivers might be DK Metcalf, not like questioning the talent, not questioning his fit as like one of the best downfield players with one of the best downfield throws in Russell Wilson. What does Shane Waldron bring to the table? We have no earthly idea, you know, what, what it could be. And all we've taken is like little bits of quotes and, and, and stuff during preseason and camp that Russell Wilson loves it, that Tyler Lockett loves it, that, that DK Metcalf loves it. Hayden, he could be the one who vaults himself up to round one conversation. He's an extreme alpha. I mean, all four of these two could as well. Like A.J. Brown is in the alpha status as well. And Hayden, I'll also say that we have a list of wide receivers coming up, but I think there's a pretty clear cliff or teardrop to me after D.K. Metcalf and A.J. Brown to the next wide receivers we're about to talk about too. I agree. I think those top four have a, a decent case to be like, one of the top five best wide receivers in the game, like period. Like he, I love Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen is probably not a top five guy. Same with the Allen Robinson, maybe like Terry McLaurin. These are like top 10 guys, but these, these other guys, I mean, AJ Brown could be the best wide receiver in the league. Like DK Metcalf, if he takes another step, he can have that crown as well. So I'm with you. And that's why we kind of slide in Antonio Gibson right after that kind of breakdown that tier. Do you want to, I mean, kind of talk about why we have him as the, uh, RB 14, right? There's a little bit of steam early on. I think that we kind of cooled that off a little bit. Do you want to break them down? Yeah, I think we're lower than, than a lot of people. And then I'll kind of make the case as to why, I mean, again, he's going at 16 overall. We have him at what 24 overall. So right at the end of round two. And I think a lot of it is we all believe that if Antonio Gibson was given like a feature back workload, then he could handle it. I mean, he has that skill set coming from Memphis of the receiving game. But J.D. McKissick is a legitimate talent. J.D. McKissick is really good in his role. And, you know, Antonio Gibson learned running back on the fly last year. 
And in those turbo situations, and especially when Alex Smith came in the game, J.D. McKissick was attached to his hip because that's where they're comfortable. Um, I don't think we have seen, at least in preseason usage, where Antonio Gibson is at least going to get 50% of that work that J.D. McKissick got last year. I think we can say that for basically every single running back that we've talked about. So again, Hayden, while I believe he can do it, and if he does get it, then he will absolutely hit as our running back 14 and even higher than that. I think we do have to separate our beliefs of what we want to happen and what we believe will happen with the Washington football team because Jaden McKissick there is there and he's not going away. The upside case is still there. It's just less likely. Sure. Like I think that Clyde Edwards Hilaire has a slightly better chance of getting that three down workload and exploding back into the, the top five overall. And Antonio Gibson, he can still do it. He, I mean, he's still such a good, good player, but I think Washington wants to bring him along slowly. I know he caught a lot of passes at Memphis, but he he was catching those like as a slot receiver, not like out of the backfield. It's a little bit different learning pass protection and running routes from the backfield than playing like legitimately wide receivers. So he's learning the position. I think Washington wants to play the long game with him, give him one thing at a time. So he still has plenty of potential. That's why we still rank him as a second round player. Um, just I think we have Clyde Edwards layers upside a little a little more easy to obtain. This next grouping of wide receivers starts off at pick 25, our 25th ranked player, Keenan Allen, then Allen Robinson, C.D. Lamb, Terry McLaurin, Julio Jones, Robert Wood, Woods, Mike Evans, and then the bookend, George Kittle at 32nd overall. Hayden, this is a big grouping. It's why we love to smash at least one running back at the start, at least me speaking personally. And uh, because we love these round two wide receivers or round two running backs and then get this wide receiver in round three as well. Any of those names stand out to you that you want to discuss? I keep making the case for Robert Woods. They're going to play faster. They're going to pass the ball more. They have a better passing quarterback. And Robert Woods <clears throat> is really good at the game. And I think that he has way more of a ceiling than people want to give him credit for. But I think you can make the same thing, same case for like CeeDee Lamb and Allen Robinson. Keenan Allen, like all these players are in really good spots. And that's why... Basically, every single pick in the third round should be a wide receiver. And if, and if any of these wide receivers fall into to your lap in round four, you have to take them. Like this, this tier is awesome. That's why wide receivers deep through like the first 20 or so wide receivers, you want at least two of these guys on your roster, sometimes even three. Uh, I mean, this tier is just so deep. The one that we differ most on is in terms of the public is Julio Jones. Hayden, again, he's our 29th ranked player. He's going 42nd overall in drafts. I firmly believe part of this is one, his age, two, he's switching teams, and three, Hayden, we haven't seen him on his new team. Like we haven't seen him at all this preseason. We haven't seen him with Ryan Tannehill. We haven't seen him with AJ Brown in the field. And I think a lot of people also view him as like the number two in that team, which he is. But Hayden, if you go back and watch last year, Julio Jones is still Julio Jones. I mean, he's still a legit talent, I would say, on a team that who's going to win more games than his previous one did last season. He might be one of the more underappreciated wide receivers and in totality fantasy players this season. I'm not ready to ride off Julio Jones yet. At like I, I think we're I think we're a year or two early. This is the perfect offense for a declining elite superstar to kind of instead of being asked to have 180 targets all right, Julio, just be one of the most efficient wide receivers on 135 targets and have some monster spike weeks. 
Julio Jones was still top five in every single efficiency stat on a yards per route basis, targets per route, um, just like efficiency over expected, all that stuff. Julio Jones last year, even when he was battling through injuries, was still top five and all that stuff. And I'm not expecting any of that to change in historically one of the most efficient passing offenses last like two years. So um, I, I don't, I don't want to write off a superstar in the perfect system for what, what he needs to be doing for even if he misses a couple of games, totally fine. He's going to have some weeks where he's going to be top five overall in fantasy points. In the chat, Zed, I don't know if you just did this. I was half paying attention. Did Hayden just recommend robust three running backs out the gate? Zed, there's a lot of ways to win. We, this game has not been figured out. There's a lot of ways to win. Fair Hayden. I would say in, in full PPR, no, don't do that. I like going two running backs kind of early in half PPR best ball. It, it really depends. Like we can have a conversation about roster construction. Go back to some of our previous episodes. I want to talk about the players here. Okay. My bad, Hayden. Okay. Let's ne- go to this next grouping of wide receivers. 33rd overall, DJ Moore. We'll circle back to him in a moment. 34th, Tyra Lockett. 35, Amari Cooper. 36, Chris Godwin. And I also want to throw in 38 in Cooper Cup. Hey, now lead off this conversation with with DJ Moore. Um, This is a player who only has, I believe, a career high of four touchdowns in a single season, who has also two straight years of 1,100 yards. I totally believe like that's that's his floor. Top 15 in yards after catch in each and every season. We just need him to hit home in terms of touchdowns. And I think that's an individual thing and maybe he can improve and maybe it's just usage in that area. But I also think it's Joe Brady calling plays thing and maybe even a Sam Darnold improvement quarterback over, over Teddy Bridgewater. Again, we've seen him have multiple areas where he's targeting on the field, multiple alignments. To me, he wins everywhere. He truly is a developing player. I think that this might be the year he breaks into the top 15 wide receiver status and him being drafted all the way at 40th overall. Again, we have him at 33 overall. I absolutely love that. I'm very conflicted with DJ Moore. Like his athleticism clearly pops. I, I think that he just needs to separate a little bit more from Robbie Anderson. I mean, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore have had the exact same season last year, and they're being drafted nowhere near each other. I think rightfully so, because DJ Moore is younger, and I think that he has probably more potential as like a legit number one wide receiver. I, I kind of want to make the case for Tyler Lockett real quick, though, just because I think what the the new offense coordinator is going to do is going to get help out the quick game. And that's to me screams Tyler Lockett a little bit more than DK Metcalf. Like DK Metcalf is a special player. He's going to be the, the leading player for the, for the Seahawks. But I think that Tyler Lockett, instead of being a really inconsistent player, what if all this quick stuff when they're the Seahawks are facing a bunch of too high safety looks is just quick outs to Tyler Lockett from the slot and from out wide and in 12 personnel and 11 personnel. And he just levels out his consistency and he still has massive spike week potential because whenever the Seahawks fall behind, Russell Wilson just cooks everybody. And I think that the, the target tree is still very, very narrow for, for Seattle. And I think that you're going to just, just, just going to see more quick game stuff from the Seahawks. And that's going to help, I think, Tyler Lockett the most out of anybody in this entire offense. I did some sleuthing yesterday on Amari Cooper, who's our 35th overall player, Hayden, because we've heard very little about Amari Cooper this offseason, I reached out to our buddy. Let's try to pull it up here. And Jeff Cavanaugh, randomly, on August 31st. Jeff, what do we know about Amari Cooper right now? He asks, in terms of what? He's going to have feet that hurt forever, but he plays on Sundays. And from 
one of the people who is most connected to the Cowboys out of anyone in the media, Hayden. I'm still super surprised everyone has Lamb ranked comfortably ahead of him. Maybe it plays out that way, but Amari is still Amari. That's a little siren effect to me, Hayden, that maybe we're just discounting Amari Cooper here. Maybe that's just a discount of getting him as the 35th overall player. That's exactly around where he's going at 32nd overall. This is still an offense we believe in, and his ADP is the one that has started to drop more so than anyone else on that offense. I'm glad he's practicing. Like his his ankle injury still is kind of worrisome, but like he said, he's probably just going to play through it. It's just a pain tolerance thing. I'm glad that he's actually practicing. If you're watching Hard Knocks recently, he's actually out there, and some of the other players have not been out there at all. And yeah. I think that Amari Cooper will have to play through some pain, but I think that he's still Amari Cooper. Like he said, the ceiling outcomes are are awesome here, and that's why this tier is just so deep. Like you can make a good case for Chris Godwin as a top ten guy with Tom Brady being a potential MVP candidate too. So like this tier is very hard to figure out, but I think you just want to keep firing bullets into these tiers in, in round three and four. Quick note on Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. I've seen it cited often this summer, just how bad their ADOT is and how many high value, you know, receptions can they get with their, with their air yards. Um, I would say that's Jared Goff stat, not a Sean McVay stat, certainly not a Matthew Stafford stat. I bet we see that, exceed go well above what we saw last year i mean if you just paid attention and watched those games it was training wheels it was ridiculous it was figured out because jared goff showed us who he is finally for a full season and the reason you have to think well why did they make that move it's to expand their offense it's to activate more people it's to throw more downfield and no one on that offense is going to see that bump up and quarterback play more significantly Hayden than Robert Woods and Cooper cup. You know, it's not these vertical playmakers that they got. It's not necessarily Tyler Higby. It's now not the Daryl Henderson, Sony Michelle duo. It is Robert Woods and it is Cooper cup. And so having them both as top 38 players to me makes a ton of sense. Definitely. They've both finished as top 15 overall fantasy wide receivers. So like this will not be surprising to me if either of them finish that high again. All right. Next up an interesting grouping. Chris Carson, 39 overall. James Robinson now, another player whose ADP is in flux, 40th overall. 41, Patrick Mahomes. 42, Kyle Pitts. And then 43, before we get on another wide receiver run, is, is Mike Davis. Everyone knows this with me lately. Like We've seen these ADPs change with James Robinson. We've seen them change all summer with like Daryl Henderson. We've seen it recently with Gus Edwards. I think it truly is a case where we step back and say, okay, we have this bias, this ADP anchored into our brain or ranking of where we had them in June, but now it's time to readjust. And Hayden, it might not be adjusted enough, in our opinion, of where the public is drafting James Robinson. You and I have him at 40th overall, and he's being drafted at 50th overall. Like Carlos Hyde there, he exists, he's friends with Urban Meyer, but we have seen it. James Robinson painted the narrative painted the picture of last year's fantasy football season in terms of people getting to the playoffs and winning their championships. And now almost assuredly he has a three down skill set that's going to help them win again this year in a much better offense. With a bunch of chaos around him, he was the RB nine in fantasy points over expected according to my model. And I think that he just has that three down skill set that the Jaguars are going to need. Carlos Hyde is around urban Meyer will mess this up inevitably, but not to the extent where James Robinson can't be, 
an RB two. I mean, he finished as like the RB six or something overall last year. Sign me up for seventy percent of the snaps for James Robinson. That will be enough in this tier. I would just only draft him if you only have one running back through this range. You you've hit that wide receiver tier that we just talked about a ton. This is when you can get in, into your James Robinsons and Mike Davis. Pick only one running back in the running back dead zone, but make sure that you have a path to three down workload. I think that James Robinson has that. And can I bring up that term? Because like the running back dead zone, it's a sweeping statement of, you know, almost these four running backs, even though Dave Montgomery is kind of being selected a little bit in between, you know, the first round group and this group, but Dave Montgomery, Chris Carson, James Robinson, Mike Davis, some people will throw Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, whoever else in there. But there's a reason why Hayden, we have these four in a clear grouping compared to the rest. I mean, those other names that I just mentioned, Miles Sanders, and Josh Jacobs aren't in our, our top 50. So like we aren't saying, Hey, just draft any running back in this area. We are saying, okay, we understand the concerns typically of running back selected at this ADP. But when you dive into the individual talent, when you dive into the individual situation, when you dive into the vision that these teams want to have and utilize these players, in, we believe in these four names of David Montgomery, Chris Carson, James Robinson, and Mike Davis as they stand out in comparison to other players at their same ADP. That's why we have them so high up. Even in the RB dead zone, I'm shooting for upside and I want three down upside. And I think that Mike Davis and James Robinson, Chris Carson and David Montgomery have either showed a three down upside previously. I mean, actually all four of those have played. I mean, they all four of those guys were three down players last year. Like you're not, you don't have to like extrapolate these things too hard. And when you come to James Robinson and Mike Davis in particular, the depth chart has to matter a little bit. I know, Projected volume is a trap, but when projected volume, you have to beat out Quadri Olson and Carlos Hyde, the 31 year old Carlos Hyde. I think I'm willing to bet on that. And I just think that I want to trust Mike, what, what Mike Davis did and James Robinson did last year, just on film. And I, I think these are my two favorites of all of the guys ahead of like Gus Edwards, who's probably going to be a two down back. These are the guys that if they're playing the three downs, like we expect, we'll be ranking them inside the top 20 every single week. And I think that uh, James Robinson's offense is going to be better. And Mike Davis's offense with Arthur Smith is going to be better than they were used to last year anyways. Okay. Jump now to close it out here in our top 50. 44, Chase Claypool. 45, Adam Thielen. 46 overall, Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, he's back, ladies and gentlemen. 47, Deontay Johnson. 48, Robbie Anderson. 49, Brandon Ayuk. And we'll close it out with the conversation a little bit with Kyler Murray and why he is ranked as our quarterback too. But let's keep looking at those six wide receivers. Hayden, so many different types in this group. I mean, it's it's kind of, again, bookended with Chase Claypool, who has prototypical alpha traits. Brandon Ayuk has alpha traits. But maybe one reason why we don't rank them any higher into the other clusters of wide receivers is that we saw what happened with the Steelers last year in shows I did with you, Hayden, it was so difficult to predict which of those wide receivers is going to get targets and which ones in highly efficient areas. And then Brandon Ayuk overall, Hayden, I think you and I have gotten to the point, and maybe my ranking doesn't indicate this, that if the 49ers run the ball successfully and defenses can't stop it, they're just going to keep running the dang ball. But we've also seen in Kyle Shanahan's history that like if he has a stud wide receiver and even you can throw Pierre Garcon in there who led the NFL in targets that season. He can feed them. So if they do find themselves in negative game script situations, Hayden, I would be shocked if Brandon Ayuk isn't that team's number one 
wide receiver. I have Ayuk over Debo Samuel. It just comes down to how much are they going to pass the ball? Like the Steelers might pass the ball like 200 more times than the 49ers. Like that's why I have Chase Claypool and um, Deontay Johnson ranked higher. But like, I don't feel very comfortable in this tier at all. Like ranking which one ahead of the other. Like this is the tier where one or two of these guys is really going to break out and the rest are going to be wide receiver threes. And it's very hard to kind of figure that out. I'm betting on Chase Claypool. Just I think that he just looks the part of a true number one receiver. And I think that the Steelers offense, if it is going to change, I think it's going to change where instead of passing the ball short, they're going to actually run the ball. And I think that means that you're going to see a, a slightly higher target share for Chase Claypool because Big Ben, instead of throwing the ball two yards, will either hand it off to Najee Harris or use play action and throw the ball downfield to Chase Claypool. But I, I still have Deontay Johnson ranked right at ADP. I, I, I think that he's definitely good enough in this role. And I think that Juju is going to be the one that kind of falls out. Um, but you can make a strong case for any of these guys to finish as like top 15 wide receivers. And this is still why you want to be pounding wide receivers all throughout the first five, six, seven rounds of fantasy drafts. Cause all of these guys have monster, monster ceilings. The three that we are highest on in comparison to where they're being drafted, Chase Claypool, you just outlined. Um, I think we are 10 spots ahead of ADP on him. Odell Beckham. We're also 10 spots ahead of ADP and Robbie Anderson were 11 spots. And I think like we talked a lot about Robbie, that his game was changed. He's no longer stereotyped as just a vertical player. He was used inside. He was used outside his a dot dropped down, opened up yards after catch capabilities. And now with this new contract, they've injected a lot of faith in him as well. Odell Beckham Hayden, who knows, you know, yeah. like maybe this is one that does come back to bite us and invite other people because as we talked about and it's why we believe in Nick Chubb it's why we believe later on in Baker Mayfield and a lot of these other you know Browns futures possibly it's because that that team instilled their identity so so well last year that now we like throw previously the most talented wide receiver in the NFL after a few knee issues now back into this offense and hey I'm not sure what it's going to look like but like if we get any juice left in Odell Beckham, he's the type that can absolutely take those short and intermediate targets straight to the house. Definitely. I think I want to be on the pro Odell Beckham side just because I'm a, I'm just such a believer in everything the Browns are doing. And the offseason videos I've seen of Odell Beckham, he looks like he's moving pretty damn well. And I think that even if he kind of slows or has a slow start to the season, I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns pass the ball a little bit more now that they're used to the system and they have Odell Beckham back incentivizing them to do that. But the play action stuff that the Browns are going to be setting up is just going to open up everything for Odell Beckham and that intermediate part of the field. And if he has even 85% of the juice he had with the Giants, he's going to be one of the most efficient wide receivers in the game. And I just think that Odell Beckham, when he's healthy, is just so much better than Jarvis Landry and Donovan Peoples-Jones. So I wouldn't be that surprised if he has a really nice rebound season, we all look stupid when the Browns are 12 and five and Odell Beckham is a, a top 20 receiver every week. Before we close this out at number 50, I do want to rewind just a second, 42 overall Kyle Pitts. In some ways, Hayden, this is going to be a ranking, a player that I'm more excited to see and where it ends up than maybe any other in the NFL, because you just talk about a, you know, skill set type that we have never or at the very least rarely see enter the NFL and goes to a play caller who is a magician in the red zone, 
who also uses multiple tight end sets, who just got rid of one of the best wide receivers of the decade in Julio Jones. Hayden, this is a ton of draft capital at 42 overall to spend on a rookie tight end. There's an element here of fear missing out, but even more of an element of this guy might change the position in some ways. I think he's like Darren Waller. Like, I mean, I think he's that good at the game. He was just beating SEC corners, not from inline, no, from outside, and not just like on drag routes, no, like 15 yards downfield near the sideline, like making plays, like in ways you just never see tight ends move. I mean, you just never see tight ends move like how Kyle Pitts is going to be used. And I think that Matt Ryan's still good enough. And I think that the game script's going to point in Kyle Pitts' direction. Literally everything you could have asked for for Kyle Pitts, if you were a fan of his coming into, into the draft, has played out perfectly. They trade for Julio Jones. They're, they haven't addressed the defense. Matt Ryan's still in-house. He hasn't been through injuries. You've heard n- nothing negative from, from the Falcons camp about Kyle Pitts. And I think that you just don't get – this type of talent at tight end very often. And yeah. even though he's a rookie, I don't care. Like bet on the talent, let everything else kind of figure out itself. And we are basically in line with where he's being drafted. So in order to take him, you would have to bypass the likes of, you know, Chase Claypool's Adam Thielen's the, the running backs that we, we mentioned as well. And Hayden, if you do start your draft out with, you know, wide receiver running back wide receiver or some other combination and get Cal Pitts there in round four. And at the very least, if he drops drops to, to round five, I'm, I'm all for that. I mean, I'm absolutely all for that because last year we saw it only two tight ends went over like this massive threshold. And like the rest of that, it was so many questions despite so much talent at the position, like you're taking a risk early on, but Hayden, I also don't see how, this is a case of like a player just bottoming out either. Like right. I, I, that is not a, unless injury happens and you can say that with any player one to 50 to 200 on our entire draft guide, but this isn't like an OJ Howard situation. This isn't a TJ Hawkinson rookie year situation. It's not a Vernon Davis. I mean, Kyle Pitts is just a different animal, a different beast and will be instilled as a focal point of this offense immediately. And because of that, I'm super comfortable having him as our tight end. And the bigger thing is who's your favorite tight end two sleeper this year? Like, do you have one? Like I, <laughs> I, I ran out of them. So like it's top 10 or bust for me. And like, really like I want to target Darren Waller, Pitts, Hawkinson, maybe a Noah Fant later, Logan Thomas, but like after that top 10, good luck out there. Just like you have to keep elevating Kyle Pitts because every single tight end two that we were thinking might break out. They're all, they're all gonzo. So it's just, he's in the perfect spot really. We did a whole quarterback ranking show, Hayden, and everyone has Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback one. I think we're a bit of an island having Kyler Murray ranked as ours. Now, I will say, you know, 51 overall right after this is Josh Allen. 55 overall is Lamar Jackson. 62 overall is Dak Prescott. That's that top tier of those five quarterbacks. But let me advocate for Kyler Murray, who's being drafted as the quarterback four as the quarterback two and still inside of the top 50. I mean, we had two different seasons from him last year, the opening nine games, 87 rushing attempts for 604 yards and 10 touchdowns. The final seven games after that shoulder injury, 46 attempts, 215 yards and just one touchdown. I mean, he was the top scoring quarterback last season that played at least six games. And that was along with the adversity that I just mentioned 
with the shoulder issue that he had to play with that completely derailed his rushing season. Now, there's been some talk that like Cliff doesn't necessarily want to use him in those elements. Look, hey, if they get down inside the 10-yard line and the only thing that is working is that most unguardable play of Kyler Murray one-on-one with uh, the end-of-a-line defender, they're going to keep using that too. And you can stretch those 11 touchdowns or 15 touchdowns that he gets on a full healthy season across 17 games, not just in those first nine games of the season. I, I think Kyler Murray has a chance of just taking it up to another notch again, despite being the top scoring quarterback last year that played at least six games. One quick little strategy thing, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, all of their number one receivers are being drafted ahead of where the quarterback is. Are you drafting Kyler Murray 50th overall if you don't have DeAndre Hopkins? Same thing with Patrick Mahomes. If you don't have Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey, are, are Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray just right off the board? For, for To me, how I'm building my rankings is this is where I would draft this quarterback if I've drafted somebody in their offense already. So like Patrick Mahomes is 44th overall, assuming I've drafted Tyreek Hill. If I haven't drafted Tyreek Hill, I'm just skipping right over Patrick Mahomes. That's how I do my rankings. Do you think that's fair? Or is that? Yeah, uh, that that's fair. I don't know. I mean, I've I've had success in the past, and I, I think we're also talking like managed leagues here a little bit too, with just taking quarterbacks in in isolation. And I think a big part of that Hayden is if they have you know rushing upside, and if right. if that can be like a a big part of their game, like Lamar Jackson in the past, you know, when True. he won MVP, like I didn't necessarily have to have another piece of that offense. I'm not saying like. I would much rather have DeAndre Hopkins to, to take Kyler Murray, but like, let's say Kyler's there in like round seven, you know, and I don't yeah, yeah. have that other piece, then like, boom, I'm totally cool with just having a Kyler Murray by himself. Because then later on, especially if you're doing best ball, maybe you do want to reach a round ahead and get Rondo Moore, or have AJ Green, or even if you wanted to, Chase Edmonds, right? But yep. Ky- Kyler, this is, this might sound odd, but I also love Hayden when players just break the freaking mold, you know? And Kyler's doing that. And it hasn't even gotten to the point when we consistently like establish him each and every week as a top five, top seven quarterback in the NFL. That conversation can easily be had after this year, despite his loaded division that he's in. I just think Kyler Murray is a, a, a special, special talent. And I mean, those top five quarterbacks are all good. And I'm cool just getting the fifth one, which seems to be Dak all the time. But I, I truly believe Kyler, like he was last year, running, excuse me, quarterback one end of the road is right there for him to hit. So. Definitely. And draft fun players. Kyler Murray's a fun player. Uh, the, the one thing, just a tight end or quarterbacks in general, unlike tight ends, now we have like a pretty stable quarterback two group now because all the, the dual threat rookies that are coming in, and like Ryan Fitzpatrick's in a good spot. Matt Ryan is in a good spot. Joe Burrow might throw the ball 555 times this year. So I think that I keep struggling with where to to rank these quarterbacks because like quarterback 13, like Trevor Lawrence, like I want Trevor Lawrence this year. So that's where I kind of struggle. But Kyler Murray, if he finishes the quarterback one, not going to be a surprise. Same thing with Lamar and Josh Allen. All those guys are right next to each other in this range. Again, if you want a deeper dive on any of these positions, we did full shows on every single one. Go and check them out previously. Also values at multiple positions. They are late round targets, our sleepers. Go and find those videos as well. That has been Chris McCaffrey, our number one ranked player, all the way down to Kyler Murray, our 50th ranked player. Any closing thoughts before we got to here, Hayden? 
it's the Alvin Kamara season this year. That's what we're going to look back and look and think about just how awesome Alvin Kamara was. Uh, we do have a live draft tonight. It is at eight Eastern former NBA. I'll call him superstar. Wilson Chandler will be on the show. That'll be a lot of fun. Used to trade for him in like every single one of my 2K franchises. Will not bring that up to him. Will not embarrass myself. But it's going to be a fun draft. Um, so join us again. Be back here at 8 o'clock Eastern tonight. Shirley, Doom, Nick, Andrew, Zed, Josh, all of you. Always appreciate you tuning in. Before you get out of here, make sure to like and subscribe down below. Our whole goal is to help you out there win this season. It's with our free draft guide listed down below. And it's with a free $25 you can get on Underdog Fantasy to try out best ball to prepare for your season-long leagues. Just enter promo code THE SHOW to go and get that. All right. For Hayden, I am Josh. Up the villa, everyone. Talk to y'all soon. See ya. Oh,